Well, today we want to continue on with our Holy Spirit series. We're doing a 10-week series. This is week nine, so we're almost done, okay? So we've been trying to give you just kind of what I describe as like a sampler platter. So we haven't really gone in-depth on any one thing, but we've been trying to give you just kind of overview about who the Holy Spirit is and uh, how he is important in our lives. And then the second half of the series, we've been focusing on practical ways that we can kind of notice how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, how he's with us, how he works uh, in our lives. And so today we want to continue with that. Today we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit works through gifts. Okay, and this is the second part of that message. Uh, last week we introduced this the idea that the Holy Spirit works through the spiritual gifts. Okay, and I talked about how this is a different way that I kind of view it, and I like to share about the gifts, is that the gifts is not about the gifts, but it's about the Spirit. Okay, so when we look at spiritual gifts, it's about the Spirit, not about the gifts. Okay, and we looked at last week in the 1 Corinthians 12 chapter, how that Paul really made this clear, that the emphasis is not on the gift, it's about the Spirit. The Spirit just chooses to work through this particular way through you. But it could be any way. We looked at uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and how it described that the Holy Spirit gives just as he pleases. It actually has nothing to do with our particular ability. It doesn't have to do with our particular strength. It doesn't have to do with our particular uh, uh, training or experience. It really is just given by the Spirit. This is how the Spirit likes to work in you and in you uniquely. All of us have a certain uh, spiritual gifts, and this is just an indication of how God likes to show up in you and how he likes to work through you to bless others. Okay, so that's kind of the background of what we had talked about last week. So last week we looked at kind of what's called the manifestation gifts, where they're more supernatural type of gifts, where it's really obvious like, it's really obvious. This God is really doing this, not us. Whether it's like supernatural healing or words of knowledge or different things like that, it's really clear. Like, God is the one doing it, not us, okay? Today, we want to look at the second major list that we see in the Bible, and that's in Romans chapter 12. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at the second group of spiritual gifts, and then we're going to give a little time where we can see which one of these do I have? Okay, which one of these do I have? Okay, so let's start in Romans 12, uh, verse 3. For through the grace given to me, this is Paul speaking, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Okay, so I like how he introduces the gifts. Okay, because he really reinforces of what we talked about last time, that the gifts don't have to do with you and your ability. If you think the gifts are about you and your ability, then there's a temptation to feel like I'm doing this instead of God's doing this. There's a temptation to feel pride. There's a temptation to feel a weight or a heaviness when you think about the gifts and needing to exercise the gifts and for God to encourage you to serve and to use your gifts, then you feel like, oh, it's my responsibility. I have to do it, when that's not true. Paul says here in verse 3, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. It's not coming from you. This is how God chooses and how he desires to work in and through you. 
It doesn't come from your own ability. We mentioned this last time that this is a spiritual gift because it comes from the Spirit. That's why only Christians have a spiritual gift. Non-Christians don't have a spiritual gift because they don't have the Holy Spirit. That's a helpful thing to help you distinguish between that and natural talent. Okay, Non-Christians and Christians alike have natural talent. They have experience. They have training. This is different. This is a different category of things that are present only in the believer that has the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important. I want to keep emphasizing that because I want you to keep cognizant of this and really aware the Holy Spirit is going to work through me. It's not me. Okay? There's no pressure upon you to perform. There's no pressure for you to come up with the right uh, knowledge or the right things. The Holy Spirit is the one to do it. Okay, so as we look at this, uh, let's look at verses 4 and 5. Uh, Paul continues, says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Okay, so Paul starts by using this analogy, and he talks about the human body. Okay, so he says, look at your body. All the parts don't have the same function, right? He says the ear doesn't have to pay attention to, to seeing, right? And the eye doesn't have to pay attention to touch. And when we look at the different parts of the body, each part doesn't try to do everything. Each part has its individual function. And when all the different parts come together, it all works. We all come together as a body. Okay, I like this analogy because I think it's really important for us to hear and I think especially kind of in the West, it's really important because when you, and this is probably true worldwide because I think the school system really sets it up contrary to this. So if you think about how we grow up in the educational system, they have all these different classes. You know, you have art and you have English and you have math and you have science and you have all these different areas, right? And what's, what's the message that they try to communicate to you in school? You need to be good at all of them, right? You're going to get graded on all of them. And what's the whole thing that the parents try to drive you to do? You want to get A's in all their classes, okay? Regardless of this is your particular gift or this is your particular strength of how God made you. He wants you to do well in all of them. And this is a general philosophy we hear. We want you to be well-rounded individuals. What does that mean? I want you to have work on all your weaknesses. You see that in your workplace when they judge you and they judge you on all the criteria, all the things that you don't do well in. They say you need to work on your weaknesses. And what is the philosophy behind that? When you want to work on all your weaknesses, there's two things that happen. One is really negative. Actually, both are really negative. <laughs> One is really negative in the fact that you don't get to develop your strength. Right? You should be spending the majority of your time on your strengths. Those are the things, the unique way that God made you. Those are the ways that he uniquely works through you. Those are the ways that he likes to show up in you and to show out through you. Those are the things that you should be developing and spending the majority of your time. Probably not all of the time. Okay, There are things that I call like washing dishes. It's like... You're at home, oh, I'm not gifted at washing dishes. I'm not going to do that, right? There's some things like washing dishes. you got to wash the dishes, right? It's not going to be always kind of in your wheelhouse, not always in your strengths, but you want to spend the majority of your time focused in on how God made you and not try to be someone else. 
You need to focus in on how he works in and through you. Because if the Holy Spirit is the one working through you in that area, it's going to be more fruitful. It's going to bring more life. It's going to be uh, more life-giving instead of life-draining. But what is the message we receive? You got to work on your weaknesses. What's the message behind that? You need to be independent and self-sufficient. Can you see how that whole philosophy runs contrary to this passage in Romans chapter 12 that says we need each other. We need one another, the different parts of the body. You shouldn't try to be another function. You shouldn't try to have to be all the other things that the other parts of the body are. You're supposed to be reliant on the other parts of the body. And it's when we're all mutually reliant upon each other, that's how it works. It's interesting because Paul doesn't mention it here, but in other places, actually he does mention it here, I'm sorry, says we are all one body in Christ, verse 5 says. When we all come together and all be our individual pieces of our body, when we all come together like that, we all form Christ's body. But if you try to be all the parts of the body, then Christ's body looks really messed up because that's not your function. That's not your place. You would have a body that has like 100 ears, right? That would kind of look a little freaky, right? That's not representative of Christ's body. Christ's body looks like Christ's body when each person plays their part, but also depends on one another. I think in in the United States, that's kind of like a bad word, like be dependent on somebody else, right? And I think it's something that has been preached in, in our culture, and it's something that we need to recognize as Christian that That's not true. That's not a bad thing. Whether it's to be being dependent on God or being dependent on other people, this is part of God's design. He didn't give you all the gifts. He didn't give me all the gifts. And he didn't do that on purpose. He could have. God could have designed it that way. He could have given each one of us all the gifts. He could easily have done that. He could easily have done it where we have all the gifts. We don't need one another. But he purposely did not do that. He purposely gave us a select group of gifts for us uniquely, for us to go together, for us to work together, for us to be interdependent and dependent on each other. Some people don't like that. Some people don't like being dependent on someone else. Most people say, if you want it done right, what does the saying goes? Do it yourself. Right? You see all of these things that are communicated to us that go contrary to what the Bible talks about. We're not supposed to be independent. We're not supposed to be self-sufficient. We're not supposed to be working on all our weaknesses so we don't need anybody else. We're supposed to be one body, one family together. That when we work together, that it's something beautiful. It's something that really gives a picture of who Christ is. And I think that when we can experience that, we can experience more of the life that God really intends for us. That we can stop trying to work on all our weaknesses and focus more in on how God made us and discover how God made us and discover to see like how he shows up in our life. Okay, so um, we're going to go through this list. And like I said, we're going to take just a moment for us to kind of look at how he made us. Okay, so let's start looking at the list. Starting in verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, in service, in his serving, 
or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Okay, so we have a list here, okay, that sometimes this list of gifts is called the motivational gifts, and I kind of like that term, okay, that term motivational gifts, because it really describes your why, like why you do the things that you do. So when we look at this list, there are seven motivational gifts, okay, seven motivational gifts that we're going to see here, and we're going to go through each one, and I'm just going to give you just a little snippet of each one, and what I want you to do is, I want you to ask the question, which one of these kind of describes me, okay, and I want you to consider there could be more than one, okay? So there could be at least maybe a couple, maybe two or three that you feel like, okay, that kind of describes me. That kind of describes me. So, okay, so that's the first thing I want you to do as we go through this list, kind of look for yourself. If you've taken an assessment like this before, you can kind of confirm if you feel like that's true. I also want you to think about if there's other people in your life, what motivational gift do they have as well? Okay, so look through those, both of those lenses on when you go through. Okay, so let's look at the first one. Okay, first one on this list of the seven motivational gifts is prophecy. Okay, so prophecy is actually the only one that's included in both lists. Okay, so we also found this prophecy also included in the 1 Corinthians 12 list. Okay, this is the only one that overlaps. Okay, so prophecy... Uh, I think there's some confusion about what prophecy is. So prophecy some, has some fore, foreknowledge, right? We're talking about things in the future, right? So that's part of prophecy, right? So then when they're talking about prophets, when you look at Old Testament, Old Testament prophets, they're talking about future events. And then typically that's how we view a prophet. But prophet also has this idea of foretelling, which is telling things or truth that you're hearing from God or that God is impressing upon you to share. So truth is actually very important for those that have this gift. So th those who have this gift, truth is something that's very strong foundation of who you are. That's like really drives you that truth is really important. In fact, when you see things that are not true, it really stirs you up. You really get upset by it and you have to speak about it, right? It's like burning inside, like you have to say something about it. And that's a common thing with those with a prophetic gift is that they are ones that really need to speak. And sometimes, okay, and this is one of the weaknesses, sometimes it doesn't come off too well, right? It comes off a little strong, okay? And it comes off a little bold, right? And a little bit abrasive. And then that's the thing that they have to work on, right? How can they share, share God's truth in a more affirming way, in a better received way? But the main heart behind that is God is speaking to them and they have a desire to share about this, this truth that God is giving them, okay? So for those that with a prophetic kind of interest, that's, that's the first one. Second one is gifts of service, okay? Those that have the gift of service, okay, have this unique innate ability to recognize need. These are the people who recognize the needs before it actually happens. They already anticipate. They already know what's going to happen. You know, I was looking um, a couple weeks, I think, uh, Linda, Linda Oak, I think she has a gift of service. I don't know if that's her result, but I think she has that. She anticipates the need. So like when we were getting ready to 
finished service. Like she's telling Joe, come help Pastor Sam to move this, move this pulpit up here. She already knows in advance like what the needs are and how to serve. And she's already thinking about those things and it comes natural for her. It becomes not something that's difficult, not something that she really has to try to do, that she can recognize what the needs are. She probably does that in her workplace, right? Being able to see the needs and to see those things come naturally. If you have the gift of service, that's something that characterizes you. You can just naturally see what the need is, and you're not afraid to come in to jump that. In fact, when you do do that, and when you do see that, and when you do step in, and you feel like people are being loved for and cared for and supported, that brings you life. Right? So that is characterized those with gift of service. Gift of teaching. Okay, Gift of teaching is kind of like what I'm doing now. It's being able to communicate truth. Being able to communicate to others clearly. Being able to communicate things that might be difficult uh, to understand, but being able to communicate in a simple, clear way. Those with the gift of teaching also like to uh, research. They like to read, they like to read about things, they like uh, gaining more knowledge about things and understanding how things work, and uh, a lot of times it's for themselves, but sometimes it's for being able to communicate to, for others to, to also understand that as well. So for those of you that have the teaching gift, that's kind of one of the things that kind of primarily describes you. Okay, exhorting, okay? Exhorting is probably my number one gift together with teaching. Okay, so exhorting, if you're an exhorter, your main heart is to lift people higher. Okay, so your desire is to see people thrive. And when they're not thriving, you really want to step in and to really push them higher, especially if they want to, right? So for the exhorter, they're really drawn to people who want to go higher. They're really drawn to people who want to break free. And for me, that's true. Whenever I see people that are really hungry, it takes no energy for me to come up and to come alongside them. In fact, it gives me life. When I come along those people and to get to pour into them and encourage them and to bring them higher, that brings me life. That's true with all the gifts. That's a way you can recognize what your spiritual gift is. When you're operating in your gift, it should bring you more life, not drain you. Okay? When you're operating in your spiritual gift, it should give you more life. Okay? And, again, it's because the Holy Spirit is present. It's because the Holy Spirit is working in you when you operate in this way. Okay? That's the gift of exhorting. The next gift is the gift of giving. Okay, next gift of giving is not just financial giving, okay, although that's part of it, but it has to do with resources, okay? Those that have the gift of giving are really blessed with being able to uh, manage resources, multiply resources, allocate resources, whether that's money, whether that's time, whether that's talents, being able to give. And not just to give to give, but give to some kind of purpose that... It, that God can use and to carry things out, to carry things forward, to resource it, to make it happen, to enable things to happen. So people with this gifting are just naturally have it this way. I think people that has this gifting, I think God just kind of blesses because God knows you're not going to keep it for yourself. And that's true with all the gifts. These gifts are not for yourself. These gifts are for other people. These gifts are not for your own benefit, although you do benefit. Because when you operate in these gifts, 
You're going to experience life. You're going to experience fruitfulness. You're going to experience joy. So you do benefit, but the gift is not for you. The gift is for the body. This is how you're going to love the body. This is how you're going to love other people is through these gifts. So if you have the gift of giving, uh, resources become easy for you, uh, become natural for you. It's not difficult for you. And if you have that, recognize that you might have this gift. God wants you to use it to resource the things that he's doing, to enable the things that he's doing, to multiply the things that he's doing. Okay? Next is the gift of leading. Okay, the gift of leading has this idea, uh, sometimes they call it the gift of administration. Uh, this gift is kind of more like a general contractor. Okay, so he's the one that likes to oversee everything and then delegate. Okay, so they don't like to actually do anything <laughs> in particular, but they, their role is to help kind of plan everything out and to make sure everybody's in the right place, to make sure people are in the right place. This kind of person really needs to understand the gifts because if you're going to step into this kind of role, you need to understand the gifts. You need to understand how God makes different people. You need to understand that so you can put them in the right place, that you can put them in a place to succeed and to thrive. That's where the gift of leadership, it really comes out the best, is when you understand people. The gift of leadership, like I said, all, like all the rest of the gifts, is about people. The gifts are about other people and the body and how to best minister them. So if you have the gift of leadership or administration, that's how you serve and love the body. That you can come in like this overseer that comes and sees the big picture and say, okay, this is how we want to go there. And you can do this person do this, use the person do this, this person does this, and they kind of leads them forward in that way. Okay, last one, the gift of mercy. Okay, if you have the gift of mercy or a gift of compassion, then you have an innate ability to be able to feel what other people are going through. It's different from empathy. Okay, empathy is the ability to feel what other people are feeling. But mercy is different in the sense that not only can you sense that, but you can walk together with them in that. Okay, so when you look at the book of Job, I think that his friends were operating in that gift in the beginning until they got frustrated with him and then they turned into something else. But they really just sat with him. Okay, so the ones with gift of mercy are the ones that can just sit with people. They don't even have to say anything. They can just come, sit, and be with you. They're the ones that really can help bring God's presence when people are hurting. They come in to feel that need, and they're drawn to people who need God's comfort and presence. They're drawn to those people who are hurting in that way. They want to come and to just sit with them. They don't even have to say anything. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to, like, shout all these different scriptures or different other things like the teacher or exhorter might want to do but this person can actually just sit with them and to be with them, whatever you need. I just want to just sit there and be with you. Okay, there's seven motivational gifts that we see here in Romans 7. Okay, which one are you? Which couple are you? And I think it's important to look not just at one, but actually two or three because they kind of work together. Okay, that's true with me, right? When I said that I'm a teacher and exhorter because... 
If I just looked at what I do, a lot of what I do is teaching, but that's not my heart. My main heart is exhorting. My main heart is exhorting, and how do I exhort? I do it through teaching. Okay, so when you look at more than one gift, they work together. Okay, so one can describe your heart and what motivates you and how God designed you. The other gifts can describe how that's carried out. Okay, so what are those gifts for you? I think that all of us are kind of unique in terms of our gifting, but I think all of us are also unique in where we are and our gifting. Okay, so one of the things I want to encourage you is that don't be limited by what you think your gift is, right? Because the Holy Spirit can use you in all the different ways. And I think I described this last week that when I look at these seven different motivational gifts, I've operated in all of those gifts at one time or another, okay? But where do I spend the majority of my time? I try to spend the majority in exhorting and teaching, okay? That's where I spend the majority. But I think that when you think about you and your gift, that one is discovery. You need to discover what it is, and then you need to start developing, Okay? And the only way to start developing is you have to start doing it. Okay? You have to start stepping out and operating in your spiritual gift. Right? I think that um, when we think about the spiritual gift, and this is where I really want you to remember to not feel like an, a pressure in that way because this doesn't come from you. Right? This really comes from the Lord. But what I want to say is if you want to experience more of the Lord and you want other people to experience more of the Lord, Step into your gift, because that'll happen. And when you do step into your gift, recognize that the Holy Spirit is the one doing it. Um, you know, I, I've shared about different stories about how uh, God's tried to develop me in my gift of teaching. And uh, if you were there that Sunday, I shared about how God prompted me to give a message with no preparation. Right? If you remember that story, I... Uh, God was leading me to prepare a message, and he said, I want you to go up there with nothing, right? And when I shared about that story, one of the things that really came true and really evident to me and so clear was, it's God the one, God is the one that was doing it. It's not me. I could have no confusion in that case, because when I was preaching, I didn't prepare anything. Everything that came out was from the Holy Spirit. And is that true all the time? I think that's true all the time. It's only because I did this thing that the Lord asked me to do that it became more clear. But that's true all of the time. And this is the thing that we need to recognize. And it's going back to Romans 12.3 when Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And I think this is one of the things the Lord has been speaking to me is, you overestimate what you do and then you underestimate what I do. And I think when we look at the gifts, we can learn from that principle. That these gifts are coming from the Spirit, as well as everything that goes on in our life. That we overestimate our part. We overestimate what we do, what things we make happen. We overestimate what's our responsibility. We overestimate what we need to carry. We overestimate our part, and we underestimate God's part. We underestimate really how much he's doing, how much he's pulling, how much he's making things happen. And we're confusing, get confused because we're doing it together with him that we think that we're doing it. And it's easy to make that, uh, have that misperception and have that confusion that somehow it's us doing it. Somehow we need to carry it. And when we do do that, we feel the weight. 
and we get tired and we feel burnt out. And when we feel tired and when we feel burnt out, that's when we need to have the realization, I think I'm thinking I'm caring more than I really am. I think that these things are all up to me. These are all my responsibilities. If I don't do it, nothing's going to happen. If I don't exert all of this energy and trying and effort and, and even prayer, even good things, like you feel like it's just your responsibility, you got to make things happen. The more I feel like that's true, the more you're going to feel the heavy weight that God doesn't want us to feel. The more we're going to confuse ourselves to think it's, that it's us really making things happen instead of the real reality is God is the one making it happen. The more we can recognize it, the more we can receive it, the more we can recognize that it's him doing things through us, listening and listening and obeying, the less weight we'll feel, the more joy we'll feel, the more life we'll feel, the more energy we'll have, the less burnt out we'll feel, the less we feel like, I need a weekend, I need a vacation, I need a Sabbath, I need, you know, I think that those are all the results of us caring too much. And so I pray that as we go through the gifts is, yes, discover what your gift is, but two, realize the truth that it is God is the one working through those things. He is the one working through those things for us and for everyone around us. Let's pray. So, Father, we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. We want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give these good gifts to us. And I pray for each one of us that we'd have greater confidence in what you give, greater confidence that you bless us in this way, greater confidence that you've uh, uniquely uh, gave these different abilities or gifts to us. And then I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us of the truth, that it's you are the one that's operating. You're the one that's doing it. You're the one that's carrying it, not us. So I pray that we could recognize it, feel blessed by it, feel loved by it, and just want to praise you and honor you as a result of it. Thank you, Lord, so much. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>